Well, good morning again, Taylor's Church family, and good morning to all of you who may be joining us this morning on Facebook Live or through our church's website. We're delighted and excited that you're here and joining us as our, our time together this morning as we've worshipped. And I hope you joined in the worship with us as always. I want to thank Kevin Scott and our uh, musicians praise team for leading us uh, in worship the way that they do every week. And so we welcome you to this time together. And as we prepare to look at God's Word this morning, I want to pray and invite God's Spirit to prepare our hearts and to open our spiritual eyes and ears to receive His Word for us today. So you join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for another day. Thank You, Lord, for Your faithfulness throughout this past week. We're grateful this morning to be able to come together and worship. We're grateful also now to be able to open Your Word together. And I pray, Father, that You'll teach us by Your Spirit and show us things that will help us understand in a clearer way what it really means to be Your people and what it means to follow after Christ with all of our heart and all of our minds and all of our soul and all of our strength. So Lord, we commit this time to You this morning. Pray you'll continue your work of shaping us and conforming us and molding us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, there was a great New England preacher by the name of Phillips Brooks, and he was a man who was renowned for his calm, his poise, the fact that nothing ever seemed to really fluster him or get to him. But one day, a friend saw Phillips Brooks pacing in his office, wringing his hands, walking back and forth sort of like a caged lion. And the friend said, uh, Dr. Brooks, what's the trouble? The trouble, uh, Dr. Brooks replied, is that I'm in a hurry and God isn't. I like that reply so much that I, uh, I borrowed it and I'm using it for the sermon title this morning as we did last week. Uh, so I want to ask you a question again this morning. Have you ever been in a hurry when someone else hasn't been? You know, that's a, that's a difficult thing for us. One of the most hated and frustrating experiences I think that we have in life is to wait. We're just an impatient people. And we don't like having to wait on other people. We don't like to have to wait on things that happen. And so when we're dealing with slow people or when we're dealing with circumstances that just can't seem to get any traction, uh, we get impatient and we struggle. As I said last week, we are an impatient people living in a very impatient culture. And it's hard for us to wait. I think that's why... Uh, for many of us, this whole COVID-19 experience has been so difficult. We feel like we're just having to always wait on something. We're being held back. We can't ever quite get started. And there are other things I know in your life and in my life that make it difficult for us to wait. But nowhere is it harder for us to wait than when we find ourselves waiting on God. When you have a problem that you just can't solve, when you have a need that you just can't meet, when you have a circumstance in your life that just doesn't seem to ever get resolved, when you pray to heaven and you're waiting on heaven to come through for you, but 
heaven remains silent, well, that's when it's very hard for us to wait on God. So last week, we opened our Bibles to the book of James chapter 5, and we started looking together at what James has to say, what the Word of God has to say to us about waiting, about being patient. And you know, James' message to us is really very simple. Very simple. And yet it's very, very hard for us to do. James says, wait on God. But Alan, it's just hard for me to wait. I know it is. Wait on God. But my need is so great. Sure it is. But wait on God. But preacher, I don't know if I can hang on. I understand. Hang on anyway. Wait on God. But you don't understand. I don't feel like waiting. Well, yeah, I do understand. None of us feel like waiting. In fact, there are probably a lot of things that we read in the Word of God that we don't feel like doing sometimes. But you see, the, our feelings are not the issue this morning, or really our feelings aren't the issue in any of life. The issue is, are we going to be obedient? Are we going to do what the Word of God tells us to do? And this Word says very, very clearly, wait on God. Now, last Sunday, we started looking together at three questions that help us understand why it's so important to wait on God. Now, if you listened in last week, uh, the first question really had to do with the time for patience. And the question we ask is this, when I'm in a hurry and God isn't, how long, how long do I have to wait on God? Well, James gives us the answer here in James chapter 5, verse 7, where he writes and says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Now, if you listened in last week, I, I told you that I don't believe James is talking here when he says, wait until the Lord's coming. I don't think he's talking about the second coming. I don't think he's saying to us, wait until the Lord comes back to the earth again. Now, we know Jesus is going to come back again. We know there's going to be a second coming. But hey, when He comes the second time back to this earth to claim His people as His own, all of the things we're waiting on right now to happen, those things just aren't going to matter anymore at all. Because this earthly life with all of its headaches and heartaches, its pain, frustrations, and struggles, those things will be no more. So when we're struggling, when we're waiting uh, James is not saying wait until the second coming of the Lord. No, what he means here is wait until the Lord comes through for you. Wait until heaven moves. Don't get impatient and try to move things yourself. That's when you're going to get into trouble. Instead, wait until the Lord comes through for you you. Wait on the Lord. Now, there was a lot more we said about that last week. I wish we could go back and review a little bit, but, but we don't have time to do that. You can go back and watch that video again if you like. But we want to move on this morning to the second question, question number two. And this has to do with the test of patience, the test of patience. This second question is, when I'm in a hurry and God isn't, why is it so hard for me to wait on God. 
What is it that makes this kind of waiting and patience so incredibly difficult? Why can't I be more patient when I'm waiting on God to move? (laughs) Well, James is going to point out two things for us here that make it very difficult for us to wait on God. And most of us find ourselves dealing with one or maybe even both of these two things uh, when we're waiting on God to come through for us. Now, probably if you sit down for a minute and think about it, you could come up with both of these things. But James gives them to us two things that make it difficult to wait on God. When we're in a hurry and God isn't, number one, Difficult people make it hard for us to wait on God. And then number two, difficult circumstances make it hard for us to wait on God. Now we're just going to look at the difficult people part of this this morning. And then next week we'll kind of wrap things up and look at the difficult circumstances and then bring this little three-part series to a close. But look with me at verse 9 of uh, James chapter 5. And James is telling us here that it's hard for us to wait on God. It's hard for us to wait on heaven to move sometimes because of difficult people. James writes and he says here in verse 9, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble against one another. Now, do you see that word grumble? Uh, When you see that word grumble there, that's a pretty good clue that somebody is making somebody else's life difficult. Let me tell you what this word grumble means. And if you want to fill in the blanks there on your message guide, this word grumble in the original language of the New Testament means to moan, to groan, to complain, against somebody else. And and in this specific context, really, it means to blame somebody else for your troubles. Now, maybe you're listening to me this morning and you can say, Preacher, I'm in a mess. I've got this difficulty going on in my life. I've got this situation, this frustration. I'm dealing with this incredible headache. I'm dealing with this awful heartache. And maybe you can honestly say this morning, you know what, the reason I'm going through this struggle is because of Him. The reason I have this problem, preacher, is because of her. It's His fault I'm in this struggle. It's her fault I'm dealing with this difficulty. He did this. She did that. If this person in my life or this person that I'm having to deal with would just change then I wouldn't be in this mess. James says, you know what? That may be absolutely true. But don't grumble, don't lash out against other people, even if somebody else is largely responsible for the hard time you're going through. Be patient with difficult people. Now listen to me. I know that's hard to do. I know it's hard. If there is anything in life that takes a supernatural grace, it is this, to be able to deal with the difficult people who are causing you problems. See, 
the natural thing for us to do in that situation is grumble. The natural thing for us to do is complain. It is supernatural. And it takes a supernatural grace to be able to be patient. Now, James uses the word patient or patience four times in these opening verses. Uh, he uses it twice in verse 7. He uses it again in verse 8. And he uses it again in verse 10. You sort of get the idea that this is important. And it is important. Uh, and it's really set here in contrast to the word grumble, which again means to moan or groan or complain. In contrast with that, the word patient or patience means to endure something without complaining. In fact, in the original language of the New Testament, this word patient or patience is really a compound word. That, that is, it's a single word that's made up of two separate words that are put together. And these two separate words are the word, number one, temper, and number two, the word long. So when you put these words together, the word patience really means long-tempered, or as it's translated many times in the Bible, long-suffering. You see, a Christian should never be short-tempered when dealing with difficult people. We should be the very opposite, James says. We should be long-tempered. We should be long-suffering. And this is in stark contrast to what we see out there in the world. That's why this takes supernatural grace to be able to do. You see, in the face of problems, in the face of difficulties, hurts, stress, pain, heartache brought on by difficult people, the Bible tells us that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, should not grumble, we should not lash out, we should not try to retaliate. Instead, the Word of God says we should demonstrate godly patience when we're dealing with difficult people. Now, I said something similar to this last week. This doesn't mean, and I want to make sure I'm clear, this doesn't mean that you need to let people run all over you. It doesn't mean that you don't try to resolve a situation if you can. If there's something you can do and need to do and you can do it biblically, then by all means do it. But when you've done all that you can do, and many times when you're dealing with difficult people, there's only so much you can do. When you've done all that you can do, then James says, wait on God. Wait for heaven to move. Wait on the Lord to come through for you. Now the problem is, we're not going to feel like doing this, and I understand. That's why it's hard. But again, we really need to be honest and ask ourselves, are we going to do what the Word of God tells us to do? Are we going to be obedient or are we going to be disobedient? And the Word of God says, be patient. Wait on the Lord when you're dealing with difficult people. Now, there's some examples here that we can look at uh, to see how others dealt with difficult people. And of course, the greatest example of all, as you see there in your message guide, the greatest example of all is 
Jesus Himself. Now, as you know, Jesus suffered more than any of us will ever suffer at the hands of difficult people. Jesus was physically and verbally abused. He was uh, mocked. He was made fun of. Uh, people beat Him. They spit on Him. Uh, they scourged Him till He was a bloody pulp. Ultimately, they hung Him on a cross. But if you want to read the epitome, the epitome of what patience and long-suffering is in dealing with difficult people, then look at the example of Jesus. And look at what we see here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. Uh, look at this text with me. It says this, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in His mouth. When they hurled their insults at Him, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Instead, watch this now, instead, He entrusted Himself to those who judge justly. Now Jesus, the greatest example we have of patience when dealing with difficult people, Peter tells us Jesus didn't grumble. He didn't lash out. He didn't try to take revenge. He didn't retaliate. What did He do? He left the judgment up to God. And that is what we must do as well. That's what James says we must do here in verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. What does that mean? That means that God knows when you're mistreated. He knows when you're the subject of injustice brought about by the hands of difficult people. God understands that. He knows that. He knows when you've been wronged. He knows when you've been taken advantage of. He knows when you've been treated unfairly. And James says, in situations like that, don't you try to be the judge. Let God be the judge. He's just right outside the door. He's seen everything. He's heard everything. He knows what you're dealing with. And I can promise you this, God can deal with that difficult person in your life far better than you can or I can. So look at Jesus. He's our example of demonstrating godly patience when you're dealing with difficult people. But Jesus isn't our only example. James tells us about some other folks who demonstrated godly patience when they were dealing with difficult people. Look at verse 10 here. He, he mentions the prophets. He says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, we could talk about a lot of prophets this morning. We don't have time to do that. So let's just choose one. Let's talk for a minute about Jeremiah. Now, I think I've shared with you before, Jeremiah has been called the weeping prophet because of the despair that he felt so many times 
in his life. After Jeremiah preached his very first sermon of radical repentance, his own family, his own family tried to kill him. The religious establishment turned against him. After he had written his book of prophecy, a godless king took it, cut it up into ribbons, and burned it. Jeremiah was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was put in stocks. He was laughed at, made fun of, made a public spectacle. He was finally thrown into an abandoned well, and he probably would have died there if it hadn't been for the sympathy of a foreigner who rescued him. See, the pain and the suffering that Jeremiah experienced at the hands of difficult people was so cruel and so crushing that more than once Jeremiah wanted to resign his office as prophet. But he hung in there. He remained faithful to God's Word for his life. He stood firm when dealing with difficult people. And today he stands as one of the giants of the faith. Why? Because while he was waiting on God, he demonstrated patience toward difficult people. And Jeremiah wasn't the only one. Moses, as we know, had to struggle for years with a rebellious and stiff-necked people. David was unjustly hunted down by Saul and became a fugitive who had to run for his own life. Elijah's life was constantly threatened by the wicked rulers of Israel. And we could go on and on and on. So what can we learn from these examples? What do we want to walk away uh, with this morning as we bring this to a close? What, what kind of encouragement can I gain by looking at the example of Christ and by looking at the examples of these great prophets of God? Well, a couple of things that, that I can learn and you can learn this morning as we conclude this morning. Here's number one. I can be in the will of God and still suffer because of difficult people. Did you know that? You can be in the will of God. I can be in the will of God. And we can still suffer because of difficult people. Jesus suffered and the great prophets of God suffered not because they'd done anything wrong, but precisely because they were doing what was right. Listen, none of us are exempt from the pain and the hurt and the suffering brought about by difficult people. So it doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. You can be in the very center of the will of God and still have to suffer from difficult people. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, and this is even more important. I can endure the hardships brought on by difficult people. I can be victorious over the difficult things that come into my life because of difficult people. Uh, and again, let me say this kind of... of of patience, this kind of supernatural ability to deal with, with difficult people is not something that was unique just to Jesus or just to these great heroes of the faith. If you remember when we went through our study on Elijah, 
James is going to comment just a few verses over in chapter 5, verse 17, and he, rem he reminds us that Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah wasn't a superman. No, he was flesh and blood just like you and me. But he had a supernatural grace that came from God that enabled him to persevere, that enabled him to stand firm, that enabled him to remain patient while dealing with difficult people. And you can do that too. Whether that difficult person in your life is a co-worker or a boss, maybe it's a neighbor, family member, could be your husband, wife, child, parent, it doesn't matter. Because as a believer, the Word of God points you to one single response. Look at what Paul says here in Romans chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. My friend, that is godly patience. And that is what you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, have been called to do. It's what we've been called to exemplify. It's what we've been called to to live out when dealing with the suffering brought on by difficult people. And nowhere in the Word of God does it say, do it if you feel like it. <laughs> it says, do it. Wait on the Lord to come through for you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time this morning. Thank You for Your Word. Help us to be able to endure with godly patience the difficulties brought into our lives by difficult people. May we never be overcome by evil, but may we always overcome evil with good. It's the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. Now join us as we continue to worship together.